0: It's me, Cammie. This week's episode is a chat with Anthony Rapp. Anthony is an actor who I love. I'm a huge fan of his, um, from his work in Rent, specifically, but but also from a bunch of TV and movie roles uh, since then, and other work on Broadway. You also might know Anthony's name because about 18 months ago, he stepped forward and told his truth about some experiences of assault and trauma involving Kevin Spacey, and we do talk about that in this episode, not what happened. We talk about Anthony's solutions for stepping forward and how he was able to do that and some self care solutions that he's worked on since. So, uh, we, there is some information about or acknowledgement that sexual assault or, or trauma exists in this episode, but there are not details. So, those of you who are survivors, that is what to expect. And I um, hope you enjoy this episode. I've been feeling- Thanks for being here with me in this New York studio. Um, I always have guests introduce themselves. Would you introduce yourself?
1: Uh, my name's Anthony Rapp.
0: Yes. I'm
1: a, <laughs> here is I'm a guy. Yeah. I'm a guy who lives in New York City, so thank you for doing this in my city. Oh
0: yes. Because yeah. you're a West
1: Coast person, aren't you?
0: I am a West Coast person. I live in Los Angeles. Yeah. And um, I just got in last night, so I'm like really discombobulated with the I don't know, I find like the older I get and I'm not even I'm 37, so I think I'm gonna get older still than I'm this. Older than you, yeah. But uh I find that the time change really fucks me up. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like a weirdo for days on end.
1: Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> great, great state to have the conversation. That's good.
0: <laughs> but I can be present with you.
1: All right, cool. Yeah. What's your life like these days? Um I'm between seasons of Star Trek Discovery as we record this, so uh I've had a couple months off, but it hasn't really been slow. I kind of wanted it to be a little slower. I mean, its I, I'm not complaining, but it, I was, I've was i had like a lot of really fun, cool little opportunities, like readings and workshops. It's a very much a New York actor life yes. kind of thing. I don't know if they do that in LA as much. Um,
0: well, I think the thing that you're talking about, which is like juggling um, on-camera performance and live performance, I think happens a lot less for people that live in yeah. LA because it's just not a live performance city. Yeah. But it seems like just from your social media presence... Just even from that <laughs> level, it seems like you're still regularly working on the stage, even yeah. though you yeah. um, also work behind the cam or in front of the camera. How does that? How how is that? I do you do you find that it's? Well, I'll say this. I also you know I also do live performance as yeah. a comic, yeah, and um, I find that the immediacy of that is really important for me. Yeah. And I I don't know what that's like for you.
1: Yeah, very much so. I mean, it's it's what I grew up on. I, I've been working since I was um, professionally since I was nine years old.
0: What? Uh, I yeah. don't think I knew that. Yeah.
1: Um, so it's 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 like in my DNA. It's yeah. And I've always felt like really at home in a live performance situation. I mean, I understand that people get stage fright, and I don't I don't say this to brag. It's just it's just never been a part of my thing. Like nerves about performing live. It's just always been. I think because I started so young, it, it's just completely normal.
0: I relate to that. It's also not a part of my thing. And I feel like when people... That's the thing if you're a comic, and I'm sure it's the same thing if you're an actor that does live performance, people all the time are like, oh, I can never do that. And I'm like, well, what are you doing? And they're like, yeah, I'm a like, doctor or whatever. Yes. I like, like oh, I like cut open people's yes. bodies. I reattach their yes. nerves. What do doctors do? I don't yes. even know. Uh, and I'm like, well, I think it's, for me, it's like a personality trait or uh, whatever. It's part of like the machine that the way I'm built it's not stressful for me if it was I'd, I don't know that I would do yeah. the thing I do
1: I see I have friends you know, even friends that I'm working with on the show and I'm not going to name anybody by this because it's very vulnerable and personal to them but who, who get really worked up sometimes about the work they do mm-hmm. on the show on a daily basis like they get really stressed out about it and I feel for them I, I want them to feel mm-hmm. better and then they're really good in the show <laughs> like they have nothing to worry about you know they don't. so I, I, I try to be like supportive and everything but it, that that piece of it is just something i've never had i have other areas in my life where i get freaked out believe me
0: sure and yes of course me. i'm <laughs> so, that's what i would assume yes. uh
1: but this is not one so uh the, all that like i started by saying like the, these readings or workshops it's very much a new york actor life mm-hmm. like especially musical theater people like it's such a small community and all the time i'm like running to people like we did a reading of something you know, eight years ago. And that's the only way we ever worked together, but we had a, you know, connection in that moment. And, and there's, there's not a lot of like ego or preciousness about people spending time doing that here. Um, And there's just so much more of that available in LA. I think it's just, there's not as many people making that kind of thing happen. Yeah. So,
0: I mean, it it certainly isn't, well, it just isn't an industry the same way. Like there aren't like streets upon streets of theaters and you're not going to get, not that, not that everybody's like crushing it bank account wise on Broadway, because I know that like <laughs> some folks who work in the chorus and stuff are making yeah. shit money and working their asses off. But I just think it's like a different, LA's just built around the television and film industry. Yeah. And actually, I don't know this, is your job on Star Trek the first time that you have had that level of commitment on something on camera?
1: Totally. Yeah, I mean, I I've, done, so. I've done a lot of films over the years, but- Right, but like- Yeah, never a like regular on seasonal, a
0: Seasonal, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and
1: I was you know a little worried about it because I have friends who've done shows and they can i mean the money's good, but they the, a couple of times they felt kind of trapped by it or you know if they get it if they get if you get in a contract like that and you're surrounded by people who are like not good people or the writing is not you know working you have no there's no escape and it can be really demoralizing i mean it's a again it's an elegant problem for people to have sure, but I was you know hopeful that I would get lucky if it was going to happen for me, and and I've gotten very lucky. It's an amazing group of people.
0: And do you play a queer character? I do. Which is like, (laughs) thank God. (laughs) Sure. I just mean because...
1: Hashtag own voices.
0: Yeah, exactly. Number one, that. And number two, I also, you know, I'm like a huge sci-fi fan, and I I always... It is amazing that we've created all of these... uh, worlds and that like s- you know still
1: yeah, so even funny.
0: the monsters are straight or yeah, whatever yeah, and you're yeah. like come on yeah that's just a hammerhead shark that yeah. could be a gay hammer yeah,
1: exactly shark. <laughs> exactly yeah and star trek is a, a one in particular um i've i've learned this because jonathan Frakes, who was uh riker in next gen he's directed three of our episodes now and he's become a friend and he was he and others on Next Gen were advocating for at least some kind of representation at some point, and I guess it was the network ultimately that was just you know balking at it. And yeah, I mean that was whatever thirty years ago, so it's a different era. But finally, it, it took too long for Star Trek to catch up. But when they did catch up, they did it so fully that it's been it's been kind of amazing. in the and the response from the fan community. I mean, every once in a while we still get Wilson Cruz, and I still get like. Like vomit emojis Ugh. on Twitter. Like, they'll, like I had
0: to grab my chest when I heard <laughs> you say that. <laughs> like Star
1: Trek CBS, uh, yeah. the, which is the official Discovery twi- Twitter account, will like post a picture or a gif of us doing something, and mm-hmm. then there'll be a lot of like incredible support, and then one or two like, this isn't real Star Trek, you know stuff like that so yeah but that is really minimal
0: absolutely i'm I, that make thank you for telling me that because yeah. i didn't know and that's great to hear yeah um
1: there's so much more of the people who even and it's not just there's a there is a big community of the fandom i think that have are and have been lgbt forever yes. um and we're hungry and wanting this kind of representation that's been really cool to see them respond and embrace us for this, but there's also a lot of allies, tons of allies who are feeling really, who are expressing how happy they are for this to be there too.
0: No, oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. Also, I mean, <laughs> I'm so glad it's you and and Wilson Cruz because I think you you both have had such uh, like long and interesting careers. Like it's and you're and you're both really out. I think that's also pretty fun too. Like yeah. that it's just two like pretty out actors. Yeah. Um, because that would, you know, that would also feel really different if it was, uh, for me, if it was a straight person yeah. that was hired then. Like, oh, we're going to break this barrier, but we're going to do it <laughs> sure. in like a stunt casty way. way yeah, yeah. um, that doesn't feel... I mean, Wilson's well, somebody that was particularly important in my life. Sure, me too. Yeah. Um, and his role on My So-Called Life as Ricky was, I think, really like the first, one of the first um, times I saw anybody... On screen, that was telling like a queer story, and it's, and his character was so like lovable on that show. I got to do stand up in front of him years ago, and that was such a fun, you know, that really matters to me. It's Absolutely. like when you get to perform for somebody who is really important. Cause it's one yeah. thing to just like meet somebody, yes. but when you get to like do your thing, yes. that's a totally different vibe. Yes. And so that was, I don't know, that was a, I have the memory of looking out and seeing his little face laughing at me that. I keep in my heart.
1: I hundred percent know that feeling very strongly. When we were in rent back in the day, the way the lights were on stage, we could see really deeply into the audience. So we could see there were, and there were a lot of famous people that came. Oh my was, gosh! Because it was such a hot ticket, it was like the Hamilton right? of its time, and so that we could see them in the audience. And there were a couple times when they looked not too happy, <laughs> but mostly <laughs> they were into it. <laughs> but there were a couple times where it was like, oh.
0: How old were you when you were in Rent? Uh,
1: I was 24 when we moved to Broadway.
0: Holy shit.
1: And then, yeah. Yeah, and I was in it for two years in New York, and then uh, four of us from the original cast went over to London and did it there. So, yeah.
0: I'm just thinking about that and thinking about what my life was like at 24 and how overwhelming it would have been to have been part of something that was like such a sensation. Yeah. Um what was that like? Were you were you equipped? Emotionally? I feel like I was
1: equipped to, in a lot of ways. Um, in part because I'd been doing it for a while. I'd been around other pretty famous people, working with them. Big a big example was Yul Brenner when I was ten. Mm. Um, I was in the King and I with him, and so I was around him. And I saw. Were you
0: a were you a were you
1: a, no, I was a the, child I, of science? No, no. I was I was the English, I was okay. the English schoolteacher's son. But there were a couple. There were people in the cast who were not Asian playing Asian. Yeah. I mean, my thing. little
0: sister was in a production of The King and I, that only I say like, because now I think it's just a couple, it's, so it's like just a couple decades later. Yeah. And that was, well, it's that the- was very, that was very, everybody, everybody was fine with it. It's,
1: I know. But and it's, it's really a couple of years ago, there was a production in like at a regional theater, Summerstock something, and a white guy was cast as The King and he Oof. took the job. And then, then the community is like, what are you doing? Yeah. And then he did withdraw from wow. taking the job. But you don't take that job. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. it's. I mean, Mickey Rooney played an Asian guy in Breakfast at Tiffany's. I mean, it's crazy it's, if you think about it. But of yes. course, we all, we like I was 10, no one was really thinking about it mm-hmm. in terms of that. But it's, it's incredible how far we've come and that there was a period. I don't know if the Asian acting community, Asian American acting community at the time was even making noise about that. I don't know.
0: Well, I think it was a different, you know, once a few people get into a position of power, that helps. And then also like the democratization of the internet makes it so we can actually hear people as opposed to like, we're in separate rooms having separate fights, which is pretty awesome. We talk so much about like how shitty the internet is. And I think sometimes we forget that like it allows us to see if we want to, it allows us to see places that like we would be a guest and we can still like we don't have to go in and and, and uh, you know colonize some space that isn't ours yes. but we could we could observe it yes. and we can see what the truth is and I think that's pretty I think that's you know why why, think, why messaging like that has like become more apparent which is pretty cool
1: well it's 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 about time i mean yeah. it's but it yeah i mean as a 10 year old we weren't aware sure I and mean, i wasn't aware of them but yeah looking back it's 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 so absurd it's so you worked crazy. with
0: your runner at 10 mm-hmm. okay yeah
1: so that in a way like being around him I, I learned a lot about what i didn't want to do or but i mm-hmm. was around somebody who was very famous and mm-hmm. like that kind of energy around a huge success i think that made an imprint and then um, in 1990, I was in a, a John Guerra play called Six Degrees of Separation, which was a really amazing play, but it was also a pretty big hit. But I had a very small part in it, but I was around that, and I feel like that kind of helped prepare me for what Rent became. Hmm. Um, and then because Jonathan Larson died, it, it, it always made everything for me, and I think for most of us or all of us in the cast and, and creative team, feel incredibly grounded in what we were doing that never let the kind of nonsense and noise and tornado energy spin it out of control for us.
0: That's interesting. Cause I would, I would imagine that that's actually, I'm really, I'm glad to hear there's a world where like his death would make, would put so much more pressure on you mm-hmm. because it's like, then you're the face of the, there is no other face of the play or whatever. Like there's no other face mm-hmm. of the show. It's you.
1: Well, um, that felt like an opera. That, mm, that felt like a, 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 responsibility but not in a pressure-filled way it That's felt cool. like an honor like it was yeah. a an opportunity to honor his legacy and it was so intense and crazy that we 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 didn't know what we couldn't not do it i don't know we were we were already yeah. really unified anyway and we really believed in this show and we really loved work loved each other loved him loved working on it and then when that happened we were just like we were so galvanized by it but it, like any kind of crisis can either drive people apart or bring them together and it brought us together so you know we were very fortunate
0: what was it like walking around new york or then london at that time because i would imagine like you were such a i just think that you were especially for like a broadway show because not everybody that's in a broadway show is like recognizable Mm -hmm. but like that character looks like you Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. you have a pretty distinctive look with your like blonde eyelashes Mm -hmm. and everything Mm -hmm. i'm sure you know people here it's a small it's a it's a dense city but it's a small place
1: I mean, I, I got. Rec- I started getting recognized, I don't know, as it went on, I got recognized more and more, you know, because even a Broadway show, when it's a big hit, it was a 1200 seat theater. So we only had that many people seeing it at night.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: Um, but still, yeah, it started to happen more and more. And I mean, I, one of the things that happens sometimes if you're in a hit show in New York is... If you go to dinner between shows at a local restaurant in the theater district, they bring you free food. like that's something that's <laughs> like, oh, you know thank you like that that was something that nice that started to happen a little bit. I guess that's what happens if you're a baseball player, like
0: yeah, that know. actually also feels kind of like homey to me almost. Yeah. That feels like like people taking care of their own as opposed to what sometimes can like being recognized and people want something from you right. versus
1: wanting to provide something for you, right. That's kind of cool, yeah, it was cool. So that, that's a nice thing that's happened, um, or that did happen at the time. Um, there was a period where, it was like right around when we started was when they started doing the, the, the full subway car um, advertisement mm. campaign that doesn't always happen like still. Like
0: outside of the car? No, inside, or the, inside the car. inside with the, yeah. With like
1: one car has a whole campaign yep. that's just, yep, yep, yep. and they did that with our show and I would like ride the train
0: <laughs> or <that would> <laughs> it, to go to work. And did you be, tap people on the shoulder? <laughs> no. Come
1: yeah, on! Not to did you dog. throw
0: your scarf over your shoulder and go? That's I'm
1: me. No, I'm shy. That's anyway. that's goofy. Um, but yeah, when it was it was doing eight shows a week is a real grind. It's really hard. I mean, it's great, but it's really hard. And we did five show weekends. So we did Friday to Saturday to Sunday. Jesus. So yeah. I mean,
0: I've done. By the way, that's also I know what that. I don't know what that experience is like in terms of singing and like that kind of stamina, but that's that's in stand-up, that's two shows Friday, three shows Saturday, wow. and a show Sunday wow. is yeah. usually the more. Yeah, But I've done five-show weekends many times. Yeah. It's exhausting. You yeah. feel like a very strange person that, yeah. that like uh, lives a weird shadow life. So you went to London, then what happened next after London
1: um, for you? You're going to meet Charlie Brown. So while I was in London, I was doing the show, um, and I wasn't sure what was going to happen next. And in in uh, something else that happened during the run of the show was that my mom passed away. She had been really sick, and she was able to come to opening night on in Broadway, but she did die about a year into the run. And so she was my biggest supporter, and it was really weird to think about what would be next for me, mm-hmm. um, work wise. Like that that I was so grateful that she did see Rent. And that she got to have an experience of it. But then it was really weird to think about, okay, the next thing I do, she won't see. What will it be? Wow. And when I was seven, I did a production of Your Good Man Charlie Brown at Camp and I played Snoopy. And she had always loved the show and she always loved that. And even though I didn't play Snoopy in the, in the next thing I did, it, was, it felt kind of really um, serendipitous that it was that show that still had that connection to her. So it, it it was very helpful for me to to transition into well, that next yeah, chapter awesome. after she was gone. And it was so different from rent. I mean it was it was so much less demanding on my body which, oh, sure. than rent was. Um although it still was a pretty big show for me. I mean I had a lot of stuff to do, but um it was just—it was a very different kind of headspace, very different kind of music, very it, it, smaller company. It was a comedy, although Charlie is pretty sad too. Yeah, you know. Um, but it was—it was—it just, just felt like a really perfect kind of uh, transitional project for me after such a life-changing event, a couple of life series of life-changing events.
0: You're—you're you're a good man. Charlie Brown is uh, the show that drove me from the theater in middle school. Not really, but I just I. uh I don't know why. I've talked about this on, on Query before, but I don't know wh- I don't know why this came into my head as something I could do. But when there were, there was like a production at my school of something that was called In Quest of Columbus, where Christopher Columbus was like the titular character, but had like four lines. And of course, I wasn't learning anything about- What about Christ- him anyway? Yeah, I was only learning that like he's the star of this show and has his own day. So like, I went and auditioned. But for the role of Christopher Columbus, which like no other girl or woman even thought to do the teacher had to call my the teacher decided to call my parents and be like, Cameron has shown up for the boy part. Like, do you like how do you feel about like like yeah. telling on me and all this? My parents, to their credit, were like, if she was good, like give her the role. And so then I, I was, I was Christopher Columbus. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but then I tried to do it again. When, when uh, you're a good man, Charlie Brown was the n- next musical. I, I think I auditioned for, I think I auditioned for Snoopy. Mm. Um, but I, but they were like, this is, these are for boys. Oh man. And I think I was just put in the chorus as like a girl and I um, quit. I yeah. like, and I didn't, I didn't, do a play again until um, like the end of high school. I was just in like a one act and then never again after that. But it was very interesting. Like if I think about it, that might be one of the first like really strong messages I got from not like my peers Mm -hmm. or like a random parent or something or a stranger on the street, but like from an authority figure, like the people at my school being like, no. No. Yeah. You can't, this is just, by the way, this is a dog But a boy is this dog. You know, like, this is definitely not a girl. Like, it was pretty wild. Yeah. Um, Well, I also want to – I guess before I'm – I'm realizing that there might be, like, younger listeners to the show who maybe don't have a lot of context for Rent. And I just realized that I didn't ask you – because I don't even know this – I – I saw it for the first time. I guess I was in high school. I saw the touring production in Chicago. I came here to New York and saw it when I was in college, um, but but it was like several generations of cast later. <laughs> um, and I, in terms of like, there's queerness. There's trans character. There are trans characters. Um, there's also like interracial relationships. Mm-hmm. In how how different was that for Broadway? Because I I in my mind I was like this has never been seen. But I was I was in Chicago and yeah. I was a teenager and I had no context for like New York or what else was happening on Broadway really except for the shows like Phantom and yeah. you know Miss Saigon which had come.
1: I mean Hair was you know, a long time ago that that was somewhat interracial. I mean it was mm-hmm. much m- less so. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't as integratedly so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Rem was rare. I mean it was it was. The but the idea if you had said to people or us or anyone that Rent would become a smash hit on Broadway given all of the factors of it oh and HIV yeah you would you would be laughed out we would have we would have like you're kidding like that's ridiculous right. how could that be but then looking back it makes sense because it filled such a void mm-hmm. there is like a, you know and I get to play scientists on TV but like in in the physical universe when you when you crack open When Mm -hmm. a damn breaks, so much energy rushes in. It's like that. Oh, yeah. That's what it feels like in retrospect. So it seemed like, of course.
0: I didn't mean to also yell, oh, and HIV, but that's also in the show. And like not any, you know, I really, yeah, that was, I think, like for me, honestly, I think it might have been like Ryan White, Rent. Like, I think that's the exposure that I had to HIV AIDS when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, And it was
1: really, you know, the guy who wrote it, Jonathan Larson, was a cishet, sis 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 what is it Cis male heterosexual white suburban jewish guy who had friends who were hiv positive and was seeing what was happening around him and decided he needed to do something about it and what he could do as an artist was write about it
0: hmm. did your life look like look anything like the that show at that time
1: i mean in some ways i, I was living in the East village i was um my brother and i and my then boyfriend at the time were living in an apartment together and on, on east 10th street and um our landlord skipped town there was no one to pay rent to and the bank foreclosed on the building and so for i don't know like a, a couple years something like that we lived in a building <laughs> without paying rent <laughs> anybody.
0: i'm so glad i'm that question how did i think to ask that question thank you divine inter- intervention thank you the universe
1: and it was really fortuitous in a lot of ways not least of which that i had i was going through a pretty slow period before i got rent wow so i like i don't know what i would have done i would have i mean i would have made it work somehow but <laughs> yeah but when i got rent and even when i got rent it was the, the initial thing was really small it was off broadway it was like 300 bucks a week mm. and it was nothing but it helped and then, and then I sort of didn't stop working, and because we did the workshop in the fall of '94, and then a, Jonathan took a year to write and rewrite, and then we went back into the off-Broadway, and then became Broadway. And in the meantime, I, I was working a lot, but again on small projects. And then, and then rent happened. So I think that's it. to go back to the other question about like, was I ready? I think that like the, all the ups and downs that I'd already had mm-hmm. helped prepare me for being ready.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: You know, and and savoring it and you know, recognizing how rare it is. Because, you know, at that point, even though I was still pretty young, I had been working for 15 years and had seen a lot of ups and downs.
0: Did you know that... When you released the original cast recording, did you know that I was singing it in my car?
1: I did. I knew okay. that. Okay, yes. I had, Just yeah.
0: wanted to make sure that yeah. you felt that. I did, yeah. um, Across the distance. Yes. With like, yeah. honestly, it must have been like a plug-in CD player or yeah, something. Yeah. Like I definitely didn't have like yes. a CD <laughs>
1: like player. Like the one that went into yeah. the, yeah, like the, the aux. tape deck? Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, through the tape deck. I was like taking my Walkman and like somehow attaching it to my, yes. with my car phone, which was...
1: yes. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. My first car, which was like a hand-me-down Mazda with automatic seatbelts that yes. that moved when you shut the door. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was uh, anyway. So I'm glad you knew. Yeah. Um, it's really I felt important it. to me that you felt that. Yeah. Um, okay. So I want to talk a little bit more about your where you're from. Like what what you were doing pr- like prior to ten. Where you? I was born in Chicago.
1: Up? Oh, i You grew up in Joliet. What? Yeah. <laughs> what town? <what time>, where <laughs> I, were you? I'm
0: from Western Springs, which is a little bit further east. Um, But, like, I went to, for high school, I went to Bennett, which is in Lyle. Lyle and Joliet are not that far apart. It's on the other side of Naperville.
1: So Lyle is a town where I, there was a little theater where I did a bunch of shows. It was called Once It was called Little uh, Once Upon a Time Theater. Wow. It was... It was a theater where there was a, and there was a director named Ray Bradford who gave me a lot of roles and was really supportive and then encouraged, he was one of the people who encouraged my mom to take me to Chicago to audition for professional work. Oh my gosh. So that was in Lyle.
0: When you went to Chicago, where did you audition? Where did you start? The first
1: thing I did was I was an understudy in the Goodman, the annual Goodman production of of Christmas Carol. Of course. But then my first equity job was I got a cast to replace in the children's chorus in Evita, which was it was became the national tour, but it was sitting down at oh, what wow. was the Schubert Theater and has now the bank some bank theater or whatever it is. That's the one on Monroe. I know where what you're Hamilton's talking about. Playing. Yeah. So Wow.
0: I mean I went to all those um to my to my mom's credit, because I like grew up very much in the suburbs, but my dad worked downtown and then to my mom's credit, uh, I didn't have like a ton of understanding of city life or any or what it would be to live there but I went to a lot of like the art stuff down there That's like great. the museums and shows and stuff like yeah. that so I was very I was very lucky that way so I went to I mean I I went to that Goodman production of yes. like I went to that I don't even know. Yes. Ten times yes. or whatever.
1: I wonder if it's changed. I wonder if it's the same. I mean, the theater's yeah. in a different place now. It used to be by the lake, and now it's a little more in. I
0: hope it's the, exactly you know, the same.
1: Same, <laughs> the same design, same light <laughs> cues, same yeah. sound cues. Yeah. 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 So that was yeah. That was that's my uh, my roots. That's why I'm I'm still a diehard Cubs fan. Oh from, yeah. From when I was a kid. Did
0: you get yeah. Did you get a chance to see them and all the the year that they that they won i
1: sang the national anthem at wrigley that year oh my god congratulations
0: really i threw out a, i threw out a first pitch last That's season that was cool. very exciting yes. for me i threw strike i was extremely nervous <laughs> yes. about it they
1: don't let you warm up i've thrown out a couple first pitches oh
0: my god it is also just to say they didn't tell me this but the other person that there were two people throwing out a first pitch that yeah. day and one of them was me and one of them was an Abe Lincoln impersonator who was in full (laughs) like drag full like hat, everything. And by the way, like, sure, I got like an like an okay round of applause, but like it's tough to follow. Lincoln you know and he and he threw out his pitch first but he's wearing like a very tight jacket with tails so his was wobbly not trying to throw him under the bus but he his was wobbly and so I just felt like if you're gonna follow Lincoln you have to like you have to get it in the strike zone you can't it can't be like and then you throw it into the stands or whatever you know like and I did I did thank God but I'm so Singing—that was cool. That's really cool.
1: I would still want to do seven the, that's the stretch. That's my dream. Yes, because that's the big thing at Wrigley is that is the, to take me out to. The how of. has
0: that not happened yet?
1: I don't, know. I
0: don't know. I'm like gonna text the people I know um, to be like this. Like, well, let's make this happen.
1: Okay, right thank there. you. <laughs> I appreciate it.
0: Because I have a shitty voice, and I would also like to do that. But you know, you seem like a shoo-in. Yeah, thank like you. you know what I Yes, thank you. <laughs> One of us sings. I work <laughs> <laughs>
1: And I know, I know people have done it like they're touring in Chicago with shows and they get to do it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, where's my chance?
0: All right. Wow. Well, you've said it on here and I think, I think we can make this right. happen for you. I feel very strongly that we can make this happen for you.
1: Thank you. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive.
0: <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one.
1: We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March eighteenth. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on.
0: Um. Okay. You're from Chicago. When did you come out? When did you? When did New York become where you live?
1: Well, I did a. So I did the Evita Mm -hmm. for six months or so, um, and then I got cast in a Broadway musical. Right after that, or not long after that, which was the little based on the book The Little Prince, it was called The Little Prince and the Aviator. I was originally cast as the understudy of the Little Prince because they thought I would be too young. They were concerned, and and I was going to play a smaller role. And then during rehearsals, they fired the Little Prince. Oh my god! And they made me the Little Prince.
0: <gasps> you Wait. look like the Little Prince. It's very on the nose.
1: So it was. I felt. I mean, it's
0: not a hat. It's a snake with an elephant. Itself. Yes.
1: Exactly. I was. I, was, I mean, that was a crazy, that whole thing was a crazy situation. We we previewed for two weeks, and then we closed before we opened. We didn't open. It was a terrible show. Oh, my God. Um, and I was 10, and it was, my mom and my brother and sister, my older brother and sister and I all moved to New York for this, and then we were like, what wow. are we going to do? My mom was a single mother. My dad had left when I was two, so she was raising us, supporting us, and thought that this would be a thing, and it wasn't a thing, and But then, like right after I got cast in the King and I tour, wow! What was she doing? She was a nurse, but she wasn't. She hadn't yet found a job here. It was. It all happened pretty quickly. Oh man! Like we only had like I don't know six or eight weeks or whatever of of rehearsal and previews. Your siblings are older, younger? Older, and they weren't here the whole time. They they were in school, and like her sister was taking care of them. And then the plan was the show would open, and then we'd all move out here. You know, didn't happen. Um, And then I did the King and I for a, a year with Yul Brynner. Um, and then I, I came again to New York when I was 14. I did a play with Ed Harris and Judith Ivy. That was a really wonderful experience. I, I played their son. They're incredible actors. I learned so much, but that also didn't run that long. Um, and then I, so th- those were my first two times of being in New York. And I like, from the moment I set foot out of the cab, the first time I was like, I'm home, you know, and and I always wanted to move back here and then I did I did as soon as I could after high school.
0: And you were still living the rest of the time in Chicago in Joliet? Joliet, yeah. And you were were you going to like a regular, a regular
1: school? Regular public high school, junior high, yeah.
0: That must have been It was weird. So weird. <laughs> it was weird. That must have you must have been very unrelatable to other students. I just I I, mean, I, I mean, just it. mean because like I grew up in I grew up in Chicago. I know it like I think uh I don't know. My experience of growing up was that everybody was kind of like uh, treading pretty similar Mm -hmm. paths and not that like – and if you were outside of that, like outside of the sort of like Midwestern Mm -hmm. mentality of what you would do, there's like three jobs you're trying Mm -hmm. to have. You're trying to be doctor, lawyer, businessman. You're trying to like get married early, have kids kind Mm -hmm. of thing. I can imagine maybe your experience – Would be very different for the other kids in your class.
1: It was definitely different, but I was friends with kind of weirdos. We were all weird. Mm. We were like the nerds and smart kids and, you know, goofballs and strange people. So I never felt Mm. unknown or unseen by them. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's actually,
0: that's really great.
1: But there was definitely like, yeah, there were like, there was a whole section of the populace of the (laughs) high school that I was like, I didn't, you know, they wouldn't have anything to do with me. Although I, did, it's so funny. I don't know why I did this. I ran for homecoming king. <clears throat> I was just trying oh, to. Oh, could like, you
0: nominate yourself? Yeah. I oh, I so. love this. But I just
1: like for joke, like kind of like a joke, and I got um. There's like a attendant is like a runner-up yep. thing. I got oh, I was attended. a
0: homecoming attendant. <laughs> Look at us, nearly there.
1: But I like just you know I did I, I just for like a joke. I don't know. That's what it felt like. Yeah. I don't even remember why I did it, but I did.
0: Did so. you go to that dance? Yeah. Did who did you bring?
1: Which one? Or who which, brought you? Uh, one of them. I brought my friend Penny. Um, I think that was. I think that was that one. I don't remember. It was remember a very long time ago. Mm.
0: Were you dating? Were you dating folks? No,
1: I wasn't dating. No.
0: When no. did you start dating?
1: My first real boyfriend was when I came to New York for NYU. Mm. Yeah. But I'd like, you know, f- had experiences, but that was not the same as dating. Yes. At all. Yeah. Yes. So, that was yeah. That was when I first like had yeah had my first relationship.
0: Yeah. Well, I wanna. I asked you before the podcast. I'm just. I wanna be just like very clear with our with our listeners that I asked you before the podcast if it was okay to talk about like the last. Um. I has it been eighteen months or. It's just Around about, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: it's because it was the end of October of yeah. 17.
0: That last 18 months of your life. And um, I don't want to ask you a bunch of questions about um, revisiting your trauma. That's that's just like, I don't have an interest in that really. I think um, <laughs> folks who w- want to know more about what you shared with public, they can, you, you've already spoken about it. So you yep. don't need to speak about that here with me. Um, but I do want to ask you what the last 18 months of your life have been like. Um, because you came out pretty strong. Anything that you want to share feels
1: well, it's, like it's, the moment. Thank you. I mean, it's coincided so directly with the timing of being in Star Trek Discovery at the same time. I like like both of these things are the new like the latest chapter of life changing events that have happened for me. Yeah. Um, so they feel very linked and then, and so I felt I felt like I've I've been really surrounded by a wonderful supportive community. Um, inside of all the stuff that's sort of come along with coming forward with that story. Um, and that's the, the community of people that I work with, my friends and family, but also like the sort of the fandom, the, 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 the Star Trek fan community has been incredibly wow. supportive.
0: Wow. I just, wouldn't have, I just wouldn't have thought that that would be true. I mean, not, not I wouldn't have thought anything about that. I wouldn't have thought about a fandom protecting uh, somebody that's pretty cool. Yeah. Or like, you know, helping somebody out.
1: Because I still get i mean it's it's really rare now, but I still get like random trolly things on Twitter. The worst was when it, when I first came forward um the the worst place that people went to say nasty things was on Instagram.
0: oh and that's interesting
1: like I I had like a day or two before I'd posted a really wonderful picture of the cast of Star Trek Discovery that we'd been allowed to post like we there were like you're not allowed to post certain things at certain times because they're spoilers, or whatever, so finally I got permission to post this you know cast picture and on that cast picture and some of them are so I I didn't even go through them all to like delete them or report them because there there were like a thousand or more and some of them are just really crazy and terrible but then a lot of them are not a lot of them are great Um, but what I I started to do initially was just sort of ignore them and then I was like at a certain point ignoring them is sort of the same perpetuation of the same kind of cycle Mm. you just sort of like shut it out then people will never have to be held to account at all so then I st- what I started doing is screenshotting and saying here's one and just sort of putting them on blast a little bit and what I didn't anticipate by doing that was that some of the like the fan community would like go after like I-
0: right I've had this I know I know I've had the I know what you're talking about in terms of this experience which is that other people sometimes can fight can yeah can respond and-
1: but sometimes they they kind of like got a little too intense maybe right yeah um Sure, I hear that there were there was one case where I didn't know the person was it turned out the person was very young got said it. something pretty gross I don't remember what they said I put them on blast they got a little like attacked in a way that it was like, oh, that's too much and then they very meaningfully apologized to me, and then I also put that forward publicly wow. when I said this person is really apologizing, so please take this into account kind of thing
0: wow it's so it's so hard to um I would imagine that that's pretty that's a pretty heavy feeling i mean it's first of all it's important to remember that like that person is experiencing a small amount of what you're experiencing mm-hmm. like i like it's not you know of course because you're em- empathizing or whatever you're you know you, i'm sure you weren't trying to cause that um but I do think sometimes we forget or like that it's easy to forget like, oh, man, I've done this to this other person. It's like, well, that's – that is some of what's being done to me. It's yeah. very hard to know how to how to deal with that, though. It's very hard to know how to deal with
1: that. I just that. think if you're – you know, people can – if you're going to say something, then you have to – there have to be some consequences. I mean – I mean, it's – it's. Otherwise, we, we're in the mess we're in with our – yeah. That's right. Government, fair enough. <laughs> but, fair enough. Know, it's like so. Yeah, I don't want. I don't want to like have people burn down people's houses. Of course, right. But if you say, well, not of say, course.
0: Thank you for saying yeah, that. Thank you for if saying. You,
1: if you say terrible things, then you should be held to account for saying terrible things, and like yeah. have to deal with the consequences of that. That 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 doesn't happen just in a vacuum, and mm-hmm. so that's that was sort of one of my approaches to it. Uh, and then uh, wh- I, you know i don't think these things through all the t- all the time all the way so i that even got picked up by a couple like news outlets
0: i was going to ask you know it's like uh, I, I, yeah
1: I, you know it's fine i don't care i really don't care it, like at it, 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 fundamentally i don't um but this that's not why i did that either
0: right well i guess i do want to ask i mean cuz there your situation um is different than a lot of people's situations because you have a bigger spotlight on you. But in some ways, the um, the act of stepping forward and being truthful and and saying what happened to you, even if yours is maybe like brighter, the experience is probably pretty similar, right? So there's mm-hmm. probably a lot of listeners who maybe have had. Um, Similar things, mm-hmm. and they're trying to navigate. I mean, there's a couple things I'd love to ask you about if you're game, mm-hmm. including like things like self care or how mm-hmm. you planned out. Mm-hmm. Because I would imagine like you knew you're like I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about these experiences mm-hmm. in my in my when I was an early teen, um, and I assume there was some planning mm-hmm. in advance enough. in how you. We're going to talk about that and how you were going to take care of yourself around that. Is If there's anything you want to share in there, yeah. I'd be really
1: curious. I, I, well, I would like to share what I think is hopefully helpful for other people, too, is that, um, well, A, my boyfriend, Ken, was incredibly helpful to be really rigorous in thinking through all of that stuff. So he's got a really, like, I'm pretty gut oriented and kind of you know, I'm an actor and so I'm like, I like feel things and I make decisions from my gut and which is important, but it's also important to really think through as many possible outcomes and avenues as possible. And that's, Ken is really good at that. So we were a good team in terms of being able to talk through all of the, all of the kind of eventualities. And, and then my manager, um, is incredibly supportive and was like right away saying, yes, I believe in doing this. And here's a lawyer you could talk to just so you have the best advice possible about what, so you know what, what the facts are about what your protections are. Right. What I learned, one thing I learned that's really important and meaningful, and I think is applicable across the board to anyone. And again, like, so I'm not a lawyer. So you, you know, get this verified. And I don't know if this is like across the board, across all United States, but so, one of the biggest fears is this notion of being sued for defamation, right? That's a phrase that you hear that we've all heard that seems like that's really scary, right? And that would that was certainly on my mind. Defamation, the legal definition of defamation, as I understand it, is that if I said something about you, Cameron, and it was a lie, defamation would be you'd have to prove that I was lying. So that's a very high standard, A. And B... If you were to do that, if I said something about you and you sued me for defamation, you'd open yourself up for legal discovery, which right. exposes you to anything. So if you're someone like Mr. Spacey, who has all of this stuff going on and all of these, you know, the part of the reason I came forward is I knew some of it and then I've learned a lot more of it in the meantime, it's highly unlikely that you're going to be willing to open yourself up to that degree of legal scrutiny mm-hmm. and, and, and discovery because all bets are off at that point. If you're willing to do this, and A that's A and then B the the burden of proof to prove that I was lying is enormous because I had so I had tremendous amount of corroboration over decades of having told the story to people I'm very close to.
0: That's very interesting because I think it goes against uh like the the narrative we still live in a culture where um, like like giving somebody getting somebody convicted in jail time yeah. is sort of what we hold up as the standard yeah. of consequences. Exactly. Like we just only think about those as consequences and that actually really favors the bad actor. Yes. That favors the person because there's a the presumption of innocence. Yes. But what I think you're talking about and what we are seeing, what I feel like we've seen in the last like two years, 18 months is this notion of like, we don't just have a single recourse. We yes. don't just have a one way of holding people accountable. And I think that's actually it. It, um, it opens up a lot of possibilities because I know that for so many people, the the like burden on a daily basis maybe isn't so much. I wish this person would go to jail. Mm. As this person is still my boss. Yeah. Like exactly. I think much more often it is the ways in which these things continue to affect us, and it's less about um, punishing another person. I mean, we. And by the way, that if you also wanted, if you're somebody who is a survivor. And I'm a survivor. Like if that if that's something that feels right for you and you have a timeline on your side that allows that to happen, mm-hmm. like go for it. Yeah, because that's the
1: limitations are a, a yes. thing. <laughs> you
0: know, I and, yeah. and and if it feels like, you know, rad and like I I I'm with you. But if it's just about making your life livable, some of it Some of it isn't necessarily like having that person uh, you know, canceled and removed from the earth. It's maybe about like I just need to live my life in an honest way. I need people to know what happened to me. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I need, um, and also for this person to not be rewarded.
1: Exactly. Yeah. That's, like yeah. there's a difference
0: between yeah. continual reward yes. and like um, punishment. And yeah. punishment seems to be something that's still somewhat unattainable. Yes. But we are at least yes. dimming the reward. Yes.
1: Yeah. And the collective, also the collective heads, heads in the sand of the people who know better. Mm-hmm. You know, but and I'm not blaming anyone because none of us ever thought that anything could ever come of all of this. We always thought that we would just have to like look the other way and get along. Yeah. and i mean, it's 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 such a profound paradigm shift that it just didn't seem possible that these people could be removed from power. Do you remember when
0: you when that changed for you? Where you thought one hundred percent the moment of? And I'm so sorry. I'm just going to check the time. Okay, awesome. Yeah.
1: When when I was reading the, I was I was following along with the Harvey Weinstein stories to some degree, but I wasn't like diving into them. And then finally one day I was like, I got to read, really look at this. And I hadn't yet really made the connection for myself. Mm -hmm. And there was something about Lupita Nyong'o wrote a first person piece in the New York Times about her experiences with Harvey and as they go her she got she was she was pretty fortunate in that she was able to avoid the worst of it but she wrote so beautifully and eloquently about what that experience was like for her and then that coupled with it was like the knowledge that that had been going on for decades to so many people and that I knew for a fact several people in my own circle with whom who had had experiences with Kevin Spacey, that it, it was like, that was when it just, the penny dropped. Like, I have to do something. It wasn't about my own experience. It really was not about uh, airing out my own laundry. It was doing that because that, that, I thought that would be the only way that we could stop him. And that's what happened. I mean, I, I, you know, and we didn't know, I didn't know that my story, I honestly, truly did not know that my story was enough. I th- I thought it, part of what was so powerful about the Harvey Weinstein thing was that there were so many stories, so it was like unavoidable. You couldn't escape it. So if it was just me, was that going to be enough? And there was a period. So the story broke on a Sunday night, and the, it, the next person didn't really come forward saying anything about him until like Tuesday or Wednesday, and I, it was a little it was a little scary. Although I will say that oh the, man, the my initial, heart goes out to you. The initial response was still incredibly supportive. Sure. And then his statement his like weird Twitter statement and the coming out was met with such outrage, you know, that, and it, like immediately things, the, the domino started falling for him immediately, which I didn't expect. I didn't think that, you know, I, I got lucky in a way, in a real way. I was very lucky with that. It was not worse for me in terms of what happened to me. Um, cause people had it much worse and it was still was enough. And I didn't expect that, but, um, before any of this happened, none of us thought that that these dominoes would ever fall. That's the thing. Like, and years before, i had actually t- I had talked to a lawyer years before, because you know things were happening. Like, he was winning Academy Awards, and I was watching this happen. I was like, "This isn't right." So I, w- I I I don't remember how I got this meeting with the lawyer, but I got a meeting with a lawyer, and I was like, "Is there anything I can do?" And he's like, "Well, you're you know you're pretty successful yourself, and you're happy." person. So there's not, you know, the only thing, the only recor- legal recourse at that point was like a civil suit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What damages could I prove? I, I wasn't interested in doing that. I didn't want to sue him, Sure, you know? So I was like, okay, well, I guess there's nothing.
0: Man, that is, that's, well, it also speaks, I think, a little bit to, you know, the gaps in our, in our understanding as a culture about again like just what would be satisfying and I mean I don't know if you feel satisfied with the with where things are now but I I,
1: I feel satisfied that he's on blast and that yeah. he can't <laughs> do that anymore right or if he does then I don't know what person would put themselves in that position to be uh, tr- you know treated like I, mean, I, don't know, I don't know I don't know what environment that could happen now I guess anything can happen but certainly not in a power like a position you won't be in a position of power in a in a workplace situation where he can do things in a workplace situation
0: well and also i think it's it seems important to me uh, additionally to have like a person's biography change you know like to inc- like this is a thing that's this is this is now part of his life cuz mm-hmm. this is what we know about him you mm-hmm. know so it's like you, this was a part of who he was the whole time that now is like actually a part of his biography, which is that that also feels I'm not just speaking about this person, but any yes. for anybody to like really have the truth of who they are. Um and I guess I guess I'm just pointing out the like the satisfying because I think again we we focus a lot on um like money or jail time as the outcomes that would feel satisfying to somebody who's a survivor like i just want this person locked up or i just want this person i want this person you know i want to financially benefit from this and then that's that's it's that like weird hazy thinking that gets like betsy devos making weird uh not weird very predictable choices (laughs) about like we have to protect you know young men at college more than ever like that that that's because it's because it's like because we can't we can't have people suffering in their pocketbooks for you know for hazy allegations and, and I think instead what we're just talking about bringing more things into the light um, about sex sexuality and abuse all of those things more in the light helps everybody. I hope so. I believe so. I think so. I mean, that seems to be what's, that's what I'm experiencing. I know I feel, um, uh, I feel lifted. Like, I do. I feel, um, like a different person in some ways in terms of, uh, the ways that, that I get to be in the world. Because for me, um, it was not such a cut and dry, uh, Mine was like a more, my experience was a more like very typically on the cusp of what is this college experience with Mm, a friend? mm -hmm. And I know what it was, uh, but I also know that um, both of us being raised really Catholic, having no sex ed, and being at a college where I couldn't Mm -hmm. come out um, contributed and created this like perfect matrix where I can't actually look at this other person and go... Um, you were 100% responsible. Mm-hmm. I feel much more like I have to look at and have some empathy for like where he was coming from. Mm-hmm. I don't actually know to this day if if he would look at that experience and say um, that was like, that sucked. You mm-hmm. know, like I, mm-hmm. I don't actually know what, what he would say.
1: Well, I hope that everybody's doing some kind of inventory.
0: Mm. You know? That would be helpful, right? I yeah. mean,
1: I mean, I, I did inventory, you know, one of the things that I, from, from when rent happened, um, you know, I've been out publicly and one of the ways that I tried to engage and give back was to be um i was very open online and engaging with young people fans of the show but also especially young queer people who were coming out and trying to support them in coming out process and then i was like was there ever a time when they felt like i was doing that for any other reason and Mm. and that week i got together with one of those one of those then kids who's remained a friend Um, and I asked him like, please tell me like, is, if there's anything that I ever did that made you uncomfortable, please tell me. And, and I really believe, you know, he really looked me right now. I was like, absolutely not. So that was meaningful, you know, but it was like, it, it crossed, I think it crossed everyone's mind. Like, was, was there a time when I did something that that made someone uncomfortable. And yeah, I mean, probably I still made someone uncomfortable. You're so, you're
0: so right to bring that up too, because I think, wow, I'm so glad that you steered the conversation in that direction, because absolutely that is something that I've been thinking about. And we, we still are, I think as a culture talking about it, like, um, like why did the like why did these poor men have to suffer it's like i have been going through in my mind in the last 18 months like everything i've ever done and like really like scrubbing through things to make to not make sure but like to understand yeah you know and i think that uh i think there are a lot of people who you know maybe i'm even giving this person myself like too much of a past because yeah you should be scrubbing your shit yeah and and trying to understand <laughs> yes. you're fucking right yes. like i like i just yes. think about in my you know in my in my industry um people like now allowing louis to be back in clubs and like everything that's
1: really happening still like it's still still happening. oh here
0: in new york he's like pretty much back everywhere and i don't, oh by the way i this is the first time i've ever even named that person by name because i hate uh, giving that person even enough power to like act as if he matters to me as a comic. but it does matter that that this person is just like let back into rooms and that we're like, well, did he even like know what was up and it's like i I have been in uh situations with other comics many times, and yes. I have never like taken my pants off no. and exposed my genitals like no. there's like a yes. the degrees no, of behaviors a, that i yes. like worry about for myself yes. like you're saying i'm sure there's a time i made somebody uncomfortable you and i are like scrubbing our memories yes. to think if we've made somebody uncomfortable yes. somebody else is like putting their dick on the table yes. like this is you know yes. we we should all be on the hook for scrubbing our memories yes. because it seems like it seems like some of these things are just the you know the line's Sometimes the line's pretty
1: clear. Is anybody calling out those club owners?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And what are
1: they saying? Are the club owners responding?
0: I think it's just kind of like a, it pops into the purview and then it like, you know, dies away. Like there's still a, I mean, he'll do some comeback special and whatever. Do you think that, really? Do you think that somebody will give him a special? I do. I do, actually. I do.
1: Because I, I don't know if it's, if it's Netflix. I think there's a lot of people who've been on Netflix who would say, we're never working on Netflix again. I really do.
0: Well, I, you know what? I think maybe...
1: <sighs>
0: what's wild is I don't. And that's what...
1: I mean, I don't know what everybody, but I think yeah. there are some people who are like, well, that's it, that's it for me with you.
0: I don't know. I mean, I think there's still... There's so much... Um, misogyny still in my field where i think people st- still really think like um on a, on a bottom line level like women don't sell tickets and men can't sit in an audience and listen to women tell jokes and so uh folks who are trying to protect their financial investment there's still it's like we're we're in a weird backwards time in my in my field obviously also elsewhere but but, but yeah. like in broadway there's still like i just i walked past you know, Lori Metcalf in previews and mm-hmm. like she, I, she is command, you know, like people are like, we got Lori Metcalf. Yes. She's commanding the, yes. you know, ticket price or whatever. And I still think, like, like uh, statistically, there's like three women that are sort of in that protected space like Sarah and Amy and Allie Wong, maybe. That's yeah. maybe that's maybe yeah. it. And then everybody else is like outside of that protected space. Pretty fucking gnarly, right? I don't like it. I don't like it either. I don't like it either. (laughs) But I guess what I'm going to continue to do is do my job and see see what I can do to change it little by little just by continuing to be here.
1: What about the crowds? the crowds when he comes on stage, are they like yucking it up like crazy? I don't
0: know. I I like really have skipped a lot of – well, I'm not sure what – I would love to hear your thoughts on that. I feel like skipped a lot of – news, reading shit like this. I just, I skipped it. I skipped it. Like I saw that he was like, he's coming back. He's doing it. I literally was just like, close. Like (laughs) just don't even want to, I can't, I can't really. It's, I need to enjoy my life, you know? Yeah. And I'm like going to do everything I can to be honest and to like take care of other people. And I'm, and I also feel like I need to put some boundaries
1: Because it's too intense. I just have to, I have to
0: be okay. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I get it. Yeah, yeah. What are you doing self-care wise these days?
1: Um, I'm spending a lot of time with my my boyfriend and my cats. (laughs) (laughs) When I I have the time, which I don't have a lot of time to do that. Um, Seeing friends for dinners and going going to see shows and movies when I can. And um, we visited a friend and his girlfriend and their kids a couple weeks ago and had a great time. So we're yeah doing as much of that as as possible it's it's hard though to carve out the time it's really hard, but yeah it's not, you know it's again it's a nice problem to have, but
0: yes, well, but anybody anybody with a job right can relate to these 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 things where it's like it just I have found in the last yeah similar time it's like really since the election, I guess I don't know, I was like so ceaselessly working and uh really like going after that the prize with like a with a real uh vigor that could not uh, with a vigor that could not be maintained yes, <laughs> and uh, I'm like allowing myself some time to repair right now
1: good, yes, yeah, it's good yes. it is good,
0: it feels good um this has been a great conversation, and I feel like we're probably yeah, wow, wow. I just want to wow. give you a note <laughs> a, a note on my sense of time.
1: That's awesome. Fifty
0: fifty nine minutes and fifty three seconds. Um, before I send you back into your day. Well, first of all, I just want to thank you. Uh, I'm not sure how often you hear this, but I'm, I hope it's a lot. I just want to thank you for putting yourself out there. Thank you. That was that was uh, it was very brave, and I think it made a difference. So thank made a difference you. to me. Thank you. Um, and I want to ask you if you would like to shout out a queero for you, head. And a queero is um, a yeah. person or place or thing that made you feel like you can be who you are today.
1: Well, Larry Kramer. I mean, I, I did a play with him when I was, I don't want to say, 20, 20-ish, somewhere around there. And uh, just getting to spend time with him was life-changing. Uh, you know, everything that he went through. He's a really, he's, you know, certainly an intense guy, but... It was. It was. I was. I felt like I was in. The, I was in the presence of a. I mean, I was in the presence of a major figure of world history, who helped change the world. And so, just the little time that I spent with him completely galvanized my my soul. And it was. It was after that that I came out publicly at a time when that wasn't really a thing. Hmm. Um, just because I couldn't. I couldn't not. It was like he called, like he didn't even tell me to do that. I don't, he didn't say like, I want you to do this. It just was like, that's what there was to do after being around him.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I guess that's, I mean, maybe that's the point of this whole conversation. When other people step forward and tell the truth, it's easier
1: to do it yourself. I mean, he just, he changed so many things for so many people and he's largely unknown to so many people. It's crazy for well, what a monumental figure he is in Mm -hmm. our history
0: not today not on this podcast (laughs) Anthony thank you so much for being here and uh yeah have a great rest of your day
1: thank you too